You are listening to WTUZ Radio Podcast. Welcome to WTUZ Radio Podcast. Uh, Today's episode, we are following up again on the economy. It seems like this is going to be a a series at this point, uh, Gateway to a New Economy. This is part four. Now, what sparked me to do an update is um, what's coming out in the mainstream media now. I talked about inflation quite a bit in part two. And since that time, uh, news, what has hit the mainstream news, although we knew about lumber prices, uh, those of us that kind of follow these things before it hit mainstream media, uh, at a minimum doubling, which is also driving up the cost of homes as well. Um, okay. So we're going to talk about the lumber prices and then also what hit the mainstream media was a chicken shortage. Hmm. So, uh, let's get into it. And then I do also kind of want to show you from a historical home price perspective, how home prices equate to inflation and to just show the trend of over time how home prices have skyrocketed and show you the correlation of the prices of home today as it compares to the 2008 housing crisis. So let's start with the chicken shortage. Um, A lot of you probably heard this. I think it came out last week, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I just pulled this off of the New York Post, but you can go to any of the mainstream media. They talked about it last week. This is dated uh, April 30th. So chicken shortage in U.S. being blamed on pandemic and the fried sandwich craze. Okay, so. Chicken lovers are going to have to wing it through the great poultry crisis of 2021. America's biggest fast food companies reported earnings this week, and executives from KFC to Wingstop stressed a dire situation. There's simply not enough chickens to go around. Okay, so I'm going to just for a little bit put on my uh, sustainable food supply hat and just add in there, even without the pandemic, there was already a shortage per se in chickens um, because um, the way that they process the meat today It's just totally, totally unhealthy, and they're doing it that way for, of course, profit, number one, and then number two, to um, keep up with the quote-quote demand because of the cheap prices 
and poultry and specifically fast food, uh, they had to come up with ways to keep up with the demand for chicken. So it was already unrealistic, unsustainable. Um, if you do any type of checking on the poultry industry, you would be absolutely disgusted. I mean, you would be absolutely disgusted to see how chickens are reared up and um, how they are processed. It would literally make you never want to eat just regular chicken again. Uh, you would want to, if you could, pay a lot more money to eat organic or uh, go to local farmers to get it and or stop eating chicken altogether. So I, I did want to put that out there. <clears throat> okay, so they're saying because of the pandemic, there's simply not enough chickens to go around now. A meat processing slowdown caused by pandemic safety measures, along with a surge in demand for recently rolled out fried chicken sandwiches, are largely behind the shortage, shortage executives said today. Okay, so I'm going to see if they're going to mention in this article, because I remember when the pandemic kind of got into the thick of it, it was a, a couple of the meat packing plants that had to be shut down because the workers were catching the virus in droves, okay? Demand for the new sandwich has been so strong, coupled with the general tightening, tight, tightening in domestic chicken supply, our main challenge has been keeping up with that demand, David Gibbs, CEO of Yum! Brands, said Wednesday on a conference call with investors. KFC, which is owned by Yum Brands. And if I'm not mistaken, I think Yum is out of China. If I'm not, if I remember correctly, Yum, Yum Brands is out of China. I, I could be wrong. Dallas, Texas-based Wingstop also noted a shortage this week, attributing it to the suppliers who are struggling to recruit new workers to meet demand. Okay, we're going to also talk about the, the struggle, the uh, worker shortage as well. Okay, so it goes on to say, with some business owners attributing the problem to increased unemployment benefits that make it more attractive to remain on government assistance. Let's talk about that. All right, so I talked about... Um, last week where um, all of this free money is also affecting the uh, entry-level or lower-paying jobs being able to keep staff. And specifically, I gave the example of um, a McDonald's. And again, I don't know which McDonald's it is, so... If you ask me in the comments, I'm not going to be able to tell you. Uh, there was a McDonald's that was paying $50 just for folks to come on an interview. 
And so since then, I've heard several people uh, kind of post or seen several people post signs of different fast food restaurants begging for folks to work there um, with hiring now signs. And someone asked one of the fast food workers what's going on. And they were like, we can't keep people. They're not showing up for work. Um, and the, the people that are, they're working. They are working insane amount of hours. Uh, so this is happening across the retail sector, as well as um, any entry level or uh, low paying jobs. I know it's also impacting the lawn care service. Uh, they, the, those company owners are backed up with work because they have fewer workers. And in some cases, literally they're doing all of their customers lawns by themselves. Um, I know someone personally who is a manager and they are a manager over a grant program specifically set up to, uh, help women enter into the workforce. So they're starting off at entry level. And uh, the, this particular person was sharing that they are having a hard time having the folks that enter into this program stick with it. And they didn't understand why. And then I kind of broke down for them why um, it's because of all of the government subsidies that folks are getting at the moment. So they are weighing their options and they're saying, hey, it's cheaper for me to stay at home than to come to work. And then the person's like, ah, got it. Okay. So um, I just wanted to bring that to light as well. Um, now, I'm going to put out a cautionary tale to those that are riding the wave, okay? Because think about it. You have the STEMIs, you have extended unemployment, and in some cases, folks are getting the state unemployment, the federal unemployment, and then here's the other catch on top of that. If you are a renter, there is a moratorium on being able to evict folks. So if you think about it in some folks' mindset, <clears throat> it's cheaper for them to stay home in their mind, okay? And some are really taking advantage of it, although they can afford to pay their rent. They're not paying their rent, okay? But... Again, as, as we've talked about before, that will all backfire once the free money dries up, which it will dry up. So those that have been delaying those rent payments, all the landlords are going to do is say, you need to come up with X amount of rent, <coughs> that back rent, or I'm ev evicting you. Okay. Once the money supply, the Fed starts, stops rather, stops printing up free money, 
Once the stimulus stop and the free money stop that the Fed is loaning out to the U.S. corporation slash government, then everything will start to tighten. So those folks that have been taking advantage of either getting fired from these entry-level jobs or not showing up, it's going to be another cycle of not being able to find jobs, okay? So I did want to throw that in there because it just shows you how another impact of printing this money, and it's not free. Nothing is free. Nothing is free. Okay. Um, All right. So it says, until we see a marked change in the availability of labor for poultry producers, a labor shortage that we believe is largely fueled by the amount of government stimulus, we anticipate that wing prices could remain elevated for the balance of 2021, he added. Okay, so they're saying that the wing shortage is a double whammy. Number one, they're saying because of uh, the pandemic, uh, I'm surprised that they didn't put in here uh, plant shutdowns, but okay, that's okay. Uh, because of the pandemic, but they're correlating it directly to a labor shortage and government stimulus. Bojangles, famous for its chicken and biscuits, isn't immune either. The Charlotte, North Carolina-based chain said in a tweet this week to be, uh, sorry, to a disappointed customer that we're experiencing a system-wide shortage but they will be back soon. The company did not immediately return the post request for comments. I know they're going crazy in the South because folks love that Bojangles chicken. Um, although their sweet tea is popping. If you're from the South, we do sweet tea, not this up North uh, crap where you put Splenda. Although we probably... <laughs> Not probably. We shouldn't be drinking all that sugar, but I'm just saying. But anyway, but wing demand in general over the past 14 or so months have proven to be pandemic proof. Super said by email, if you think about it, restaurants like wing joints and pizza places were built around takeout and delivery. So they didn't have to change their business model that much during the pandemic. Wings travel well and hold up during delivery conditions. He added that the tightness in supply and any related price increase won't hurt demand for chicken, saying that as long as people are sitting around watching TV and maybe drinking a beer, wings will remain in the game. As chicken production begins to resume back to a normal pace of output in the coming months, and there is a better supply-demand ratio, prices should ease, he said. Okay. Um, Chicken has long been among the most popular meats in the U.S., but demand has surged in recent years with various fast food chains 
launching their own fried chicken sandwiches. And yes, I do want to give it to them on the accuracy on uh, chicken's popularity, even rising more. I think Popeye, yeah, it was Popeye's the first one out the gate with a little chicken sandwich. By the way, I just want to throw in there. Although I, I don't eat it like that, but just based on the way they were describing the chicken sandwich, child, that ain't nothing new to us in the South. But, you know, whatever. If you want to stand in line and get in fist fights over somebody's tainted chicken, that's your business. But you can go YouTube it or ask your grandma, somebody to cook that for you. But that's neither here nor there. I'm just saying. But yes, um, with the introduction of the chicken sandwich and Popeye, uh, Popeye's chicken started it, it really put the demand for chickens on the map. Although, as they said, chicken is the most popular meat in the U.S., chicken was already being mass produced to the point that they the chicken industry had to change the way it manufactured chickens. So um, I encourage anyone to go look at the documentary on the poultry industry. You would be shocked and appalled. Even if you understand how those wings are produced and the amount of hormones they have to put the chickens on to get them bigger, faster, to get them to market, it would make your head spin. Specifically, uh, chicken wings, they're shooting extra hormones in the um, up under the, the chicken's armpit to make those wings bigger. And some are attributing the extra hormones in chicken, um, as well as milk as well, and of, of course, eggs, uh, with women having reproductive problems because of all of the hormones. It's just too many hormones because women naturally have our own hormones. And then on top of that, you have artificial hormones and it's some are attributing that all of those extra hormones to fibroids. Okay. All right. So I just want to throw that in there, but you can certainly go do your research on your own. All right. Okay. So Popeye's, which is owned by Restaurant Brands International, sparked the chicken wars in 2019 they really doing a good job with this article. With a $3.99 sandwich that was so popular, it sold out at many restaurants. That prompted other chains to seek to compete, including burger joints like McDonald's. Chow. Nothing could come good from McDonald's making a chicken sandwich. It's already bad. If you all knew what was in those chicken nuggets... You would never even dream of feeding your babies that stuff. It is absolutely 
disgusting. So I've, I'm really side-eyeing their chicken sandwich. But neither here nor there, let me continue. <laughs> okay, and what's being deemed the so-called chicken wars? That surge in demand comes along with heightened scrutiny of safety issues inside meat and poultry plants during the pandemic. Many plants became C-19 hotspots, particularly across the Midwest, and lawsuits have alleged that the industry exuberated outbreaks. The Trump administration ordered plants to remain open despite safety concerns to avoid severe shortages. An industry official in North Carolina told WSOC-TV that demand will likely continue to rise as more restaurants fully reopen. What we need, the officials told the local TV station, is a four-wing chicken. Y'all hear that? So I know they're being, you know, funny, but they're being truthful as well. They're trying to say that's how much of a demand it is uh, for chicken wings, in their case, wings, because they, um, you know, specialize in wings. I'm assuming this is wing stock that's saying this, that they would literally need chickens to have four wings on one chicken in order to keep up with demand, okay? So just one last thing on the on the chicken. Uh, I just want to say that um, chicken itself, anybody that's a cook, you know when you handle chicken, you have to be extremely cautious because you can get salmonella very, very quick. It can spread throughout your kitchen, all right? So meaning if you're handling raw chicken, um, you know, and let's say you have it on a cutting board or whatever, that after you handle that raw chicken, you literally have to disinfect the area that you had the raw chicken on as well as wash your hands because you can spread salmonella pretty quickly, and which is also why chicken cannot and should not be undercooked. So I'm saying all that to say chicken already naturally has associated uh, diseases in it. So imagine what a plant, imagine what a chicken plant, the health hazards of a chicken processing plant. And then you add the C-19. Now, this is what they say, C-19 on top of it. Now, that's what they say. But yet, the plant stayed open. Oh, okay then. I think you're kind of contradicting yourself right there. Okay? So, um, that's on the, the chicken demand. Now, I just want to refresh everyone's memory. Remember when the pandemic was in effect in, in the getting into the thick of it last year? You all remember there was an excess of food. 
Y'all remember that? Where farmers did not have the restaurants coming to them to get the produce and the milk and the eggs because everybody was at home so they weren't going out to the restaurants anymore and the babies weren't at school. So that means the uh, the public and the private school uh, supply pipeline for food for the babies, that also was not in play. So farmers had an excess of produce, um, eggs, milk, and guess what they were doing? They were dumping it in empty fields. And I immediately said, shortages are created. When it's concerning food, shortages are created. And folks were showing where the farmers were dumping the milk. They were showing where they were uh, dumping in in little areas, massive amounts of, of crops, of fruits and of vegetables. Some farmers had a conscience and they just could not do it. So what they started to do, um, a lot of them gave away as much as they could. And then a lot of them um, literally hooked up with people with 18-wheeler trucks. They loaded up their produce And they put it out on social media where they were going to be. And the farmers started selling directly to the public. And they were able to sell out. Of course they were able to sell out because their prices, they cut out the middleman, which was uh, the restaurant industry and all of that jazz. Okay. So I'm just putting it in perspective on one hand, the pandemic caused a surplus in a certain area and we had food literally being dumped and wasted, okay? And then in other areas, in this specific area with the chicken, it caused a surplus, right? Now, the thing with the chicken was, like I said before, which this article isn't pointing out, there was already a very thin line between supply of how many chickens there are and demand before the pandemic hit with chicken. Because the amount of chicken that is eaten in uh, in America, it's really, really hard for them to keep up with it. All right? So just go do a little research and you'll see what they have to do to just keep up with uh, the regular public demand, all right? But because of uh, the pandemic, it has disrupted that supply chain, plus with them rolling out uh, Popeyes and them competing with each other over this chicken sandwich, all right? Um which interestingly enough, if you followed a couple of cartoons, I want to say one is Boondocks. If you are not familiar with that cartoon, 
Oh, it, it's a wonderful series. A young man out of Atlanta did it some years ago. I think they rerun it on Adult Swim. Uh, well, well worth it. But I remember an episode of folks losing their mind over some doggone chicken. So as soon as the little Popeye sandwich came out, this, that, and the other, those of us that are familiar with boondocks were like, there you go. That's boondocks all over again. Okay, so let me get up off the chicken. <laughs> Let's go to these lumber prices. We've talked about this before. Um, lumber prices are up 232% and could spiral out of control in the next few months. Now, this is off of Fortune magazine. Now, I said last week when I talked about uh, lumber prices, I told you that's hyperinflation. All right. Now, you have some people running around, not not a lot, not a lot, just some, some, very few. um, And they're respectable folks. uh, They're intelligent, but. Some type of way, I'm still trying to figure out their logic, they don't think we're going to hit an inflationary period. They think that lumber is just a quirk. They think that um, the other shortages that we're seeing in the supply chain is just a quirk. Okay, all right, but to me, a 100 percent increase that's in, that's hyperinflation also we're at 232% with lumber i'm sorry that's hyperinflation so let's read what fortune has to say last week the price per 1000 board feet of lumber soared to an all-time high of 1188 according to random links Since the onset of the pandemic, lumber has shot up a whopping 232%. Home builders and DIYers don't want to hear this, but the ceiling could be higher, maybe even a lot higher. On Monday, the May futures contract price per thousand board feet of two by fours. Baby, let me tell you something. Uh uh. It jumped from $48 to $1,400. That squeeze once again. I just cannot believe this. Per thousand board feet of two by fours. Child. So that's any little project you're trying to do. From $48 to $1,400? That squeeze once again triggered the circuit breakers and caused lumber trading to halt for the day. Whoa, 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 whoa. This was last week, April 27th. Whoa. Why would lumber yards and builders pay above market rates? Severe lumber scarcity has buyers on edge. They're buying the sky-high contracts in order to ensure they actually get the lumber they need for projects already under contract. 
Ciao. And I'm going to put in here the chart so you all can see uh, just the jump in these uh, lumber prices. Now, um, I do want to say that uh, on the news this morning, which prompted me, and it was on my local news, y'all. Y'all know local news don't really get into these financial stuff like this and unless it's really something about to jump off. Uh, so meaning we already know about it because we follow the financial news. So when it hits that mainstream media, it's it's getting serious, all right? So um, just real quick, this morning on the news, my local news, by the way, the builders are the home builders. Let me be specific. The home builders are saying that now when people come in to get a home built, they have to give them an estimated price of what it will cost their home, how much it will cost for that home to be built because of the lumber shortage. So y'all get that? So not only are, have our housing prices at a historical level, and we're going to go over that next, and I'm going to show you um, charts, uh, a chart of the historical home prices. We're also at the point now where you sit down and go get a home built. It's like, okay, this is the estimated price. Okay, so that's why these particular builders are paying such a high price in advance on futures. Because that's what futures mean. You pay for something now that you're going to use in the future. All right. Uh, builders do it as well as I know the airline industry does it on um, uh, fuel fuel and just a quick tip and I'm sure other industries as well those are the only two I could think off the top of my head and just a quick tip how Southwest became Southwest was because Southwest bought future fuel at a dirt cheap price and so when the price of oil back then rose up which also caused the uh, fuel prices to rise up. The other big airlines were paying it at a premium and Southwest wasn't. They were paying it at the lower rate. So Southwest was able to have lower plane fares. And that put um, Southwest on the map. So that's, that's just a little tidbit um, it just kind of also gives you a perspective of how futures work in terms of businesses. Okay, so the market is in trouble. It could spiral out of control the next few months. Dustin Jalbert, uh, senior econom uh, economist at Fast Markets, told Fortune, the issue, supply, which is already backlogged, simply can't catch up as demand continues to grow with the start of the home building and renovation seasons. Now, we're going to talk just, just a quick bit on 
home prices. And this is just a recap. Again, why home prices are skyrocketing. And when you hear it's because of demand, yeah, okay, it's because of demand. But why is there a demand? And there is a demand because the interest rates are at record level lows. Okay? So in the real estate world, their motto is you have cheaper uh, cheaper interest rate, the more house you can buy. The higher the interest rate, the less house you can buy. All right? The interest rates, the Federal Reserve controls that. Remember we talked about the bookie and the points? So he's setting the points. The points represent the interest rate. So right now, it is cheap to borrow money. So that's what caused the housing boom to the point that now housing has a shortage. Okay? Now, to top that off, you have lumber supply shortage. Now, the lumber supply shortage, uh, part of it is because of demand, because of the housing boom. But the other part, they're saying because lumber, it's a shortage on lumber, is because of the pandemic. Are y'all seeing a pattern here? Are you seeing the pattern? Because of the pandemic, the lumber industry had to stop production. I've heard that. I've also heard that um, there's lumber just sitting and not being put on the market because of the way the um, to get to transport lumber back and forth. That's also off. Okay. Now some say it, uh, Some are saying that the lumber industry is purposely. The, the big lumber guys are purposely holding back supply to take advantage of this particular thing. Some people saying it uh, has something to do with when they had to stop production during the pandemic, the thick of the pandemic. They're starting it back up and they're trying to get back in the groove of things to get the lumber to the market. All right. And those that talk about inflation not being a thing, that's what they're using as justification. They're using as justification of inflation is not really going to happen because we just have to wait for the supply chain demand to get back into full rotation. So in other words, goods and services, there is a shortage on them. So therefore, that's why we're seeing what we're seeing. Um, Because of the pandemic, places had to shut down, yada, 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 and everything's trying to come back online, da, 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 da. Okay, if you say so. All right. All right, so this supply and demand mismatch is largely a result of the pandemic. At the same time, the state-mandated lockdown caused meals to halt production um, 
bored quarantine, Americans were rushing to Home Depot and Lowe's to buy up material for do-it-yourself projects. That caused lumber inventory to plummet. It only got worse from there. Recession-induced record. Okay, so all right now, you know, I'm not finna argue with this little article. Y'all did a good job. Thank you. Thank you. You did a good job. You did a good job. And Lowe's to buy up material for do-it-yourself projects. That caused lumber inventory to plummet. It only got worse from there. Recession-induced record low interest rates caused a housing boom. In March, new housing starts hit their highest level since 2006. Of course, new homes require a lot of lumber, thus exuberating the shortage. On the supply side, lumber production is finally rebounding. Wood production hit a 13-year high, but that can only do so much. Limited meal capacity combined with labor shortage. There go that labor shortages again. Means supply can't catch up to robust demand. Stinson Dean, CEO of Deacon Lumber, told Fortune on Monday that soaring lumber future contracts, including for months as far as November, signaled that lumber prices will be elevated for quite some time. For price cor- for prices to correct, Jalbert says, demand will need to cool down, something that is unlikely to incur until the home building and renovation seasons are over. Simply put, exuberant lumber prices aren't going, uh, going anywhere in the next few months. Okay, so they actually did a very good job. This is from Fortune Magazine. Uh, They put this out uh, last week, April 27th. Lumber prices are up 232% and could spiral out of control in the next few months. Okay, so um, we're going to continue to, of course, watch housing. Um, I say, and I say again, that housing is in the bubble. No one can convince me otherwise. And what's going to burst that bubble is like it did before in 2008, when the Fed, the bookie, increased them points or increased the interest rates. And, uh, Fed Chairman Powell has already said that he's going to increase interest rates by 2%. He just did not say when he's going to do it. Um, You know, some are saying that it's either going to be the end of this year, by December of this year, uh, or definitely first quarter in 2022. And either way, that's going to pop the um, housing market. Okay, so I'm going to uh, show you all a chart of historical home prices. And um, I'm getting this from DQDJ, historical home prices, monthly medium value in the U.S. from 1953 to 2020. Okay, so uh, this 
first chart that I am showing you, medium home prices in the U.S., nominal and real from 1951 to 2020. Okay, so you can see the evolution of home prices, how they have written, writ, risen as it relates to um, inflation-adjusted home prices. Okay, so the uh, blue line represents the median price and the uh, orange line represents the inflation. So even if you look back at 1953, you see where it uh, looks like that's probably 20-something thousand for a home. And you can see how it's risen. So let's say 20-something thousand back up in the day in 53. If you look at the orange line, Today, that twenty something thousand dollar house would be at the two hundred. Well, that's not quite two hundred. It's probably what uh, one seventy five, something like that. And we'll get specifically. We'll take a snapshot of the numbers in a little bit. But either way, you see that the blue line and the inflationary line. You see how high they are you see how high inflation is. Now, what I want you all to pay attention to on this graph, look at the 08. You see that 08 line? Okay. See how high it was over $250,000, the, adjust, um, the um, inflationary cost. Now go to 2019. They don't even have 2020 on here yet. They only have it up to July. What do you see? Do you not see that where we are today and we're actually higher family? We're actually higher. I just could not find the graph to depict it like that. We're actually higher so we're higher than the 2008 housing crash. We're actually higher. But even if you want to follow this graph, which shows uh, maybe that may, may be the same. We're at that same point. Now, I don't know about y'all, but my logic tells me to look at the numbers, look at the charts, and we are in a housing bubble. There's no way to get around that. Now, I want y'all to go back to 2008. Go back to that graph. Um, go back to that level. You see, at 2008, you see that sharp drop-off? That represented the housing crash. Okay? So now what makes people think, what makes people think that we are not at the same point? All right? Okay. Another thing I just wanted to point out with this graph, this can also represent the decline, the spending power in the dollar. Okay? 
So back up in the 50s, uh, I think it's 18,000. And we're going to, I'm going to show you the uh, numbers real quick. 18,000 to buy a house. If you try to buy that same house with the inflationary, the value of the dollar, it takes more dollars. Let's just be clear what inflation is. It takes more dollars to buy the same thing. It takes more dollars to buy the same thing. So you can see the rise in inflation in the U.S. over these decades. That equals the decline of the dollar. All right. So uh, we're going to start with just what I was saying. In 53, medium home prices was 18000 And it's so funny. I remember one of my first little jobs was at a car dealership. Um, and um, summer, like, side hustle job while I was still in school. So I remember this older, this elderly couple coming in to buy a new car. That new car, and just to show you, woo, how prices have even risen. They were coming in to buy a nice little car. Um, that car was eighteen thousand, family. And the lady said to her husband, she said, "Dear, we pay eighteen thousand for our home." I was like, oh. <coughs> I was like, oh, oh my god. They paid $18,000 for a house. Look at the adjustable interest price. That same $18,000 house, you adjusted for inflation $177,000. So people want to talk about inflation doesn't really exist and uh, they don't understand the decline of the dollar. This is pretty much telling you. It's taking you a heck of a lot more dollars to buy the same thing. Okay? And also, even with that car example, just hit me saying that out loud. They were coming in about, uh, uh, I would say, not top-of-the-line luxury but in the middle scale luxury car. And that was back in the 90s. That was back in the 90s. So 18000 You try walking in the dealership buying a, a new, I'm not talking used, new car. A new semi-luxury car for 18000 Good luck with that. It ain't going to happen. So even from the time that elderly couple came in back up in the 90s till today, inflation has risen. Okay, so we're going to scroll down in this chart and we're going to go to, um, let me look at 08. I want to be fair. We want to look at the 08 prices. Okay, so you see where 08 um, 
it was, we can say 204. We're going to go at the highest point. 204, but the the inflated price was 252, okay? And then if you notice, start going down this chart, you can see how the prices started to come down. That was because of the crash, all right? The prices started to come down. And I can tell you the prices came down a heck of a lot faster than what this chart is even showing because of the uh, mass amount of foreclosure inventory that was on the market. And to be honest, um, it was actually, it would have been worse. Um, I started really, really paying attention during the housing crash. That's what totally changed my view on uh, economics, the economy. I started watching it really closely. I started researching. I wanted to understand what went on. So that's how I got uh, pretty versed in this by watching what went on in 2008. I was on the, the Fannie and the Freddie sites, honey, looking through stuff, uh, looking through the foreclosure sites. And I can tell you, because I watched it, very, very closely. They were holding back inventory. There was so much foreclosure inventory on the market when it crashed that the U.S. government, Fannie and Freddie, held back putting the inventory out on the market to sell it. The foreclosed inventory. They put it out in waves. I watched it. They put it out in waves. And I watched investors go in and they would buy up like blocks of them. They would buy up blocks of inventory to turn around and rent them out. And I'm sure at this point they've sold a lot of that. And they at least doubled their money at this point, probably close to triple, if not quadruple, based on what market uh, they that they're or location rather they're in. Okay, so what I'm show what I'm telling you is even the numbers that we see right now, with it showing the drop in the numbers, I'm telling you, it was a lot lower than this. People lost their shirt during that crash because what happened is, if you look at the numbers, if you're buying high, which is why it's really not a good idea to buy anything at a price premium unless you really need it. Because if it's already overpriced, once that fad is over, the dust settles, the true market price will show, and that means you're underwater. So that's what being underwater is about. Um, in, in the car world, I think they call it upside down. 
but in homes, they call it underwater. So what's happening today in the housing market is somebody put their house up for sale. Soon as they put their house up for sale, the bidding wars start. So people start putting in offers um, above the asking price. And there have been reports that people are winning the bids on the house by overpaying for the house 30%, some as high as 50%. Okay, let's think about that. If a house is really worth market value of 100000 and we're already in a bubble, think about that. If I put a house on the market for 100000 and by the way, good luck finding a house for a hundred thousand unless you gotta put a hundred thousand in it to renovate it. But nonetheless, I'm trying to keep it simple. If I put a house on the market for a hundred thousand and it's already a bubble, but the bubble market price says it's a hundred thousand, but the true value of that house, let's say is eighty. So I put it on the market for 100000 Folks like, ooh, I really want that house. I want it bad. I'm going to offer her 120 Then somebody else puts in the offer, uh-uh, I really want her house. I'm going to put it at 140 Then someone else comes in and say, uh-uh, I really, really, really want her house. I'm going to put it at 150 Woo, me as the seller, I'm fenced to go to with the highest offer. So I'm going to sell it at 150. What happens when the market crash and correct itself? That person that bought that house at 150, you paid $50,000 over the bubble price of 100. But the true value of the house is 90. So you're already in the hole big time. You're underwater. That's what's called upside down on a house is. That's exactly what happened in 2008. And to top it off, let's say you get in that home. And I don't know if, I don't think people are doing it as much this time as they did in 2008 because the banks aren't allowing it. But back in 2008, in addition to the scenario that I just uh, went over with folks overpaying for homes, they also turned around, got in the house and took out second and third mortgages on the house as well. So on top of the 150 that you really paid for a $100,000 house, but in reality it's worth 90,000, I go and take out a second mortgage for 20,000. Cuz I want to kick it, I want to go on vacation, I want to uh put money down on that 40, 50,000 SUV. You get where I'm going with that? So you have the 50,000 overpriced and really is 60,000 plus the 20,000. 
So you're $70,000 in the hole upside down. That's what happened in 2008. And that's why people walked away from them homes. They're like, oh, shit. I can never sell this home. I can never recoup this money. So a lot of people call up the mortgage company, put them keys in the mailbox and was like, deuces, I'm out. Okay. Now, the only difference this time, fast forward, is that it's not a lot of people that are taking out second mortgages just because the banks aren't doing it. They're not lending second mortgages like that. I think you have to have a lot more equity in your home in order to really take out those second mortgages. All right? So I'm just bringing this to you all, family. So once again, you can pay attention. Um, Now they're talking about it in the mainstream media about the lumber prices, about how this is impacting housing, etc., But I wanted to show you uh, the correlation of the history of not only the home prices, but just general inflation within itself. Okay. And the very last thing I want to discuss is pay attention to, uh, and you're not going to hear this much right now. I'm going to say right now in the mainstream media. But I've also seen several things of people talking about that the supply with all of the goods is being delayed. Okay, I semi talked about it on one of the last ones about uh, those um, barge cargo supply chains being uh, stuck on the water. Okay, there's still rumblings about the total supply chain not being all the way back up through full capacity, and some are attributing it to that, that goods coming from overseas are getting delayed, all right? Now, this is just me. This is just my lowly opinion. This is those of us, they call us conspiracy theory theorists, this, that, and the third. All right, we'll take that. And I feel that part of this supply chain issue when it's dealing with um, foreign countries providing supplies to the U.S. Because remember, the U.S. really don't make nothing no more. They didn't farmed all of that out meaning farming out of middle-class jobs as well. Those particular nations don't want to settle in dollars. So that's also, I feel, a reason for the slowness of getting the supply chain back up to speed as well. Okay, They're not going to come out and tell you that Because the last thing they're going to do is come out and tell you that the dollar is done. It really has no value. All right. So that's something else we'll be watching as well. Um, So sorry this one was so long, y'all. But I did want to give you a follow-up because now it is starting to hit 
mainstream news. And as a matter of fact, as I'm doing this particular podcast, flashed across my screen on local news again, they're rerunning the story on the high prices of lumber. Okay, so uh, they're getting ready. Now, just typically with uh, crashes and financial news going really, really extreme, the trend has usually been in the fall, uh, the September-ish, October-ish. You'll hear the term in the financial world, October surprise. So we're going to see how this shakes out. If there is going to be a fallout um, at the fall of this year, or if the Fed is going to raise interest rates at the end of this year, which is going to pop the bubble in the housing market, um, or if he's just going to wait until next year, because he did say that he is going to raise interest rates. So I hope everybody... I hope you all are doing well on this Tuesday and have a great day. Peace and love.